welcome to episode 271 of the All the Books Show, the official podcast of the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm yeah, Eric Mickles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, it's November 2nd, okay? That means tomorrow is election day. If you haven't done early voting, you need to go to your polling place and vote on November 3rd. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this after November 3rd, I don't know what kind of world you're living in. <sighs> I don't have a clue. I have a few theories. I none don't of them have <laughs> a clue what your yeah. life is like right now. But if you're listening to this on November 2nd or November 3rd, the polls are open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. So if you're listening to this before 9 p.m. on November 3rd, you need to get down to your polling place and vote. Anyway, I'm Nick Gunning. Do you think people listening to this in, like, December, do you think it's a the living envy the dead kind of situation I now? think it's a situation where they pick up whatever device they're listening on and heave it across the room. That's what I think. <laughs> but I, But I'm not really sure. Did you say your yeah. name yet? Yeah. Oh, what is it? It's Eric Mickles. That's right. Okay. I knew yeah, it was a like, tip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tip of my tongue. Tip of my tongue. Eric, today we're doing a sexy new book club. Are you excited? Mm-hmm. Sure, I am. <laughs> All right. That's. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's dive into the old bookmarks. Hmm. I feel like it's been a slow period for me. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with my mind. But I did read a, a, a psych book. Do you remember the old USA show Psych? Yes, people have told me about Psych. You never watched Psych? It's a 45-minute show. Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Why is it so long? Yeah, good question. We never finished it. We got like close to the end, and then we were just kind of like, I tell you what, I uh, feel like I've seen this. But for whatever reason, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a bunch of books that I had like purchased at like 99 cent, like deal of the day sort of things. And one <laughs> of them was the first of the psych novels that I've had mm-hmm. in my nook for a full decade, probably. And mm-hmm. so I finally just read it at the start of this. And it was fine. It was a good time. You know, it was kind of like a it was kind of on the same level of as like a murder she wrote kind of novel. And I was like, OK, yeah, I can do that. That's an easy transition. So I finished that one. I bought the second one. Uh, here we are, you know, seven months later, still in the throes of a pandemic. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to read Psych Book 2, Mind Over Magic by William Rapkin. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, Eric, I don't think the shtick of Psych really translates to the book form. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen any of it? Uh, I think I've seen like five minutes of okay. it. Okay. Well, a lot that of it... might be more than I've seen. A lot of it is just their interactions, you know? It's right. just, it's all about the timing and the way they play off mm-hmm. each other and that sort of like rapid fire comedy approach to telling those kind of stories gets a little old novel format. So nothing yeah. against old Bill Rabkin here because I think he does a pretty mm-hmm. nice job. This was about there being a there being like a magic festival and they a body shows up in in like a magic trick and it's not the right body and so they have to figure it out. It's a decent premise and the book works pretty well, but I think at the end of the day like if you're a fan of psych this is not going to be a format that's going to work mm. for you. So I doubt that I'll read more. There's seven or eight of these books. N- nothing real special. Comic book-wise, I dug into the depths of uh, Marvel's uh, back catalog and read Marvel Masterworks Spider-Woman, Volume 1. This is the Jessica Drew Spider-Woman. Mm-hmm. There was an old cartoon of this back in the day that I had a VHS mm-hmm. tape on. Yeah. It's What's real weird to me is that why in the 70s you would have a spider-based character that has absolutely nothing to do with Spider-Man. Isn't that weird? Right. Yeah, it is a strange thing that happened. I mean, like with Hulk and She-Hulk, it's like, yeah, they're cousins, whatever. But like, mm-hmm. there's there's that connection, you know? Yeah. But here, why? 
Like, why Why do you yeah. do that? I was puzzled by that. It's kind of an interesting backstory because she doesn't have any memory and she's being, like, used by Hydra. And um, there's a lot of stuff with the Thing and the Fantastic Four early on. So it was it was interesting, but I just, it was, I was very puzzled because nary a mention of Spider-Man. It seems like somebody would be like, are you, are you friends with, you're not. Okay. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Not a mention. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. And they never like interact. It felt like. Yeah. A little bizarre. But again, that was mm-hmm. Marvel Masterworks Spider-Woman volume one. I'm currently reading. Are you familiar with the, it's like a more of a junior series than a YA, I think called the Jupiter Pirates. This is by Jason Fry. No. Okay. Well, the first one here is called Hunt for the Hydra, and it's about, I mean, they're privateers, if you want to make a distinction between pirates and privateers, uh, mm-hmm. in, in space. I do, And yeah. it's like a multi-generational privateering family on this ship. Mm-hmm. I like it so far. I started reading it with my son, and I will say that it carves out uh, a unique premise, you know, like family in space is not particularly new, but the the layers that the author puts in there, I think, are actually pretty good and make it. Uh, stand I've never seen well. these. Yeah, I'd read his some of his. He's written a lot of Star Wars books. He writes a lot of um, like Han Solo tales from Vandor, or like the kind of like the side. It must side be Star books. Wars that I recognize the name, okay. like being on any cover. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he wrote the Last Jedi. Yes. Last Jedi novelization, he wrote those, like, the lead-up to Force Awakens, there was those three hardcover... um, Mm -hmm. uh, The Weapon of a Jedi. Yes, yeah. He wrote those. And he's done a ton of the, like, the DK-style books, so... But this this is just totally original set in its own thing. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm reading it with my son, and uh, so far, so good. Yeah. I'm also reading, uh, again, some retro comics here by one Jack Kirby. I'm reading his original Challengers of the Unknown... Who are the challengers? Eight, eight issues of this series back in 1958. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at this point, maybe they're most recognizable from the Teen Titans Go to the Movies yeah. film. <laughs> there was a new challenger series that I don't think anybody cared about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Lubb and Tim Sale did a did a Challengers of the Unknown. That mm. kind of I think it was before their Long Halloween and some of their more well known stuff. But mm-hmm. Challengers is one of those things where it's like they made the Challengers and then Marvel was like, we'll just make the Fantastic Four. Because they're very, they have a very similar vibe to the Mm. Fantastic Four. So, I haven't really sat down to Red Challengers before, but, you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's interesting. All right. What about you? you, What's what's on your list at the moment? Let's see. I've read the graphic novel adaptation of... The Invasion by K.A. Applegate. Oh, my gosh. The first Animorphs book was... It's finally happened. Uh was adapted by uh, Chris Grine, is the person in charge of the adaptation and also uh, the art. And the art is definitely a very strong... All, all the creatures look exactly like I imagined them, the Andalites, the Hork-Bajir. I mean, the Andalites wow. and the Hork-Bajirs have been drawn before, so it's not that big of a deal. They've been okay. on covers and stuff. But the Taxons look right. One thing I really appreciate about it Besides the fact that it is basically a straight adaptation of the invasion. So, like, reading it, I'm like, yep, I remember this. Man, I must have read the first Animorph book a couple of times, mm-hmm. if, you, if you could believe it, yeah. as a kid. I do believe I mean, it. I reread yeah. uh, a lot of them multiple times. But reading this again, I was like, oh, yeah, I did read the invasion a whole bunch. But what I appreciate about his art is he makes the animals look like animals. Okay. Like, there's no... It's not... The kids kind of have these, like, little buttony noses mm-hmm. a bit. It, it kind of comes across as, like, the art for the kids looks like it's being geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. And the animals do, too, but it, they're not, like, kitty versions. Like, yeah. when they're a tiger 
and a gorilla, e- even a dog. They just look like animals, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty important for the animorphs. Yeah. That when they turn into their tiger, they're not just, you know, big Disney-fied tiger eyes mm-hmm. and everything. But it's thick. I mean, this thing is doing the entire first book, and there's not a lot that I think it left out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be doing the second one. And, uh, like, how far are they going to take these? I'll read yeah. them all. Okay. So I, all right. There's a jealousy on my end. Uh, the desire to keep what is mine, mine. Mm, because while a, reading this, I'm like, this you, is going to yeah. make new fans. How dare they? And I don't... And part of me is like, that's great! More people reading the Animorphs. But I'm afraid yeah. that if more... I mean, it, you know, they sold millions of copies. There's right. plenty of Animorph fans out oh, there. Sure. But it is there is this kind of like jealousy. I'm like, well, the kids today should read Animorphs, but yeah. they shouldn't because it's my Animorphs. Well, so. I, I, remember, I remember when we when we got a big donation of all the Animorph books and you were able to like fill out our collection with the ones that were missing and stuff, but you eventually moved them down to the stacks because you were kind of like, they weren't checking out. Kids yeah. just, you know, kids just don't get the Animorphs anymore. And at that time you were sad about that. I was sad about that. So um, maybe you're fickle. And re- when you read invasion and, and then any of them, they are very nineties. A lot of the pop references are nineties. Yes, they are. Um, and so the graphic novel clears that up, but yes, I'm glad if kids read it, I, I would hope that it keeps going because, you know, I've been hanging out on a uh, Animorphs Reddit page where there's lots of memes and everything. <laughs> and the the regular joke on the Animorphs Reddit uh, when it comes to memes is to do, like, there's two types of Animorph books. There's the, hey, hey, hey I'm a kitty cat, meow. Right, right. And there's the, war is hell. Yeah. I've never, I have forgotten what dawn even feels like. Yeah. It, every day is a challenge to wake up. Oh, and, sure. like. The invasion kind of hints at that, the second part of that. So okay. I'm hoping it keeps going where they're like, oh, no, I don't know who to trust. Mm-hmm. Every day I wake up screaming. <laughs> so, um, Fun. Yeah. I was always into, like, animals and, like, into animal facts oh, and sure. about them. But, I mean, Animorphs just sent that into stratosphere. I would hope that also happens with, like, these graphics, that people re- read this and, like, they're like, oh, I'm going to go do a, a, a tiger report. I'm going to go read about tigers or something. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Well, hey, if that wasn't enough Animorphs talk for you, you can go back into uh, the All the Books archives here, soundcloud.com slash all the books, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look up episode 244, Animorphs at Last, the K.A. Applegate Spotlight. That's a fun episode because, well, it's a bit of a tearjerker because it's the last episode we actually recorded together in my office in the same room. But... We recorded it in early March, but it came out in late April. So mm. it's like, <laughs> we're all like, ah, we have yeah. the whole world. <laughs> so I think that's when we actually put bumpers on the beginning and end that was like, listen, yeah, we yeah. sound delighted in this. This was in early yeah. March. But anyway, that's yeah. episode 244, yeah. Animorphs at Last. I'm glad it dis- didn't disappoint. It's always... No. It's always yeah. scary when you when you take something like that that's beloved and, and adapted. Doesn't always work. So yeah. I'm glad this paid off for you. Honestly, there are scene like when they go to the gardens, which is like the amusement park slash zoo. I'm yeah. like, well, that's exactly how I imagined it. Mm-hmm. Even the Yerk pool looked exactly how nice. I remember thinking yeah. about it. Another like literary graphic novel connection is I read White Sand, Volume One. The art is by Rick Hoskins and Julius Gopez. Okay. Uh, this is Brandon Sanderson. Oh, okay. So having listened to um, Writing Excuses for a couple of years, I had heard him mention this a few times. This is one of his uh, treasure chest writing things where he had written it and it just couldn't get it out. He, his trunk write, his trunk book, where like every time he came to it, he just couldn't get it right. Every time 
he thought like, okay, this is, I finally figured out white sand. I'm going to write it. It just wouldn't work. So it kept going back to the trunk. And then somebody came up to him. It was, um, dynamite, uh, dynamite graphic novels. They were like, do you have anything you like to do graphic novels? He's like, well, maybe this is the chance to do white sand. So this isn't a adaptation of a novel as a graphic novel. This is just the only version of white sand there is. So it's just, it's just a fantasy story. Like okay. standard, it's like a lot of world building. Uh, the magic system has a lot of a uh, give and take to it, you know, kind of epic fantasy. I think there's three volumes out right now. I just read the first to see if I'd like it. it it's good. I'd probably read some more. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the art, but it has kind of a loose, like, sketchbook quality to it, so you, your mileage on the art might vary. But yeah, I mean, I imagine if you enjoy Brandon Sanderson in general, you'd probably like White Sand, and since this is the only version of that story. Okay. Was, uh, I also read Harleen by oh. Stepagen Sedgik. That is, uh, that's nominated for a Goodreads Choice Award this year. It is nominated for, it's one of the only, it's the only thing I've read from the Goodreads Choice I hadn't, Award. I know, I hadn't read very many this year either. I'll talk way more about this over on Comic Book Coffee Break. But basically, it's just a big uh, prestige retelling or telling of uh, Harley Quinn's origin from her start as like a psychiatrist uh, looking to get funding to working in Arkham to meeting the Joker and all that. I mean, if you've read Mad Love or seen the episode Mad Love, there's a lot of beats that are just take it from that. I don't think okay. you get straight far from that, but there's a lot added to it. It's way more adult. The art is definitely like the selling point. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a big hardcover. Uh, I think it was like three issues, like prestige issues, but the hardcover is very big and very fancy. It's part of the DC black label, which is basically just DC's Joker label these days. It's, <laughs> it's weird to read it because I do think people today are less interested in Harley Quinn as the Joker's girlfriend. Right. Into, like, Harley Quinn by herself or teamed up with Poison Ivy, like, being her own independent... I don't want to say anti-hero, because it still feels like she's very much like a villain. Right. Whereas Pool is going for the anti-hero thing. It's yeah. almost like he's the anti-villain. Okay. Like, she's a villain who also sometimes does good. Yeah, all right. This is very much going for the Harley Quinn in a toxic relationship but they also the joker is like sexed up a bit in Whoa. this he's he looks younger and everything it's kind of like the a rock star joker which i i just read it i'm like i don't know and there's also hints that maybe joker is committed and i'm just like there's some stuff in here that i don't but i'm like i come from you know the mad love origin story so it's hard to get away from some of that stuff yeah but anyway, this, I, is, he's, this is probably the thing to give somebody. I'm just now. I, I saw this and just I just didn't have any interest in it. I, I don't particularly I, like I Harley Quinn as like a solo character. I read Breaking Glass, the YA one that came out, and it just I don't know, not something that really appeals like, to me. Although I know she's a super popular character. Yeah. Uh, and I also read A Head Full of Ghosts. Oh, ah, oh, your Halloween read. How was that? It was good couple of uh twisty little reveals near the end all right uh i don't know i mean there's actually a scene or two that really grossed me out okay uh really like disturbed me not because i thought they were scary but because i was like oh that's that's an image i don't need that i didn't appreciate and thinking about it is making me like oh making my teeth itch but in terms of like scary i there's like at the beginning i was a little bit more creeped out but as it went on less so yeah the whole thing is basically two sisters growing up. The older sister 
might be possessed or might just be suffering from schizophrenia there okay. it's always a bit like which one is it and so like the mom and dad are trying to get her help by taking her to psychiatrist the dad okay. is like a born again catholic so he's taking her to church they're low on money so they actually turn their home they invite this tv show called the possession to come and film their lives oh that's funny and so there's a bit of like what's real what's being like staged for the show is the daughter faking it or is she really sick some things are never really answered i think the thing that's scary at the be from the beginning and maybe stays through a little bit is the younger sister is eight so okay there's the fear that she's like as young as she is she's gonna be over over her head no matter what she's in. Yeah, okay. It's this, this bit of like, ah, get this cute little precocious girl out of there. And also because she's eight, but when she's telling the story later, she's like 23, so there's a bit of unreliable narrator. Yeah. And like the whole, I mean, it's not just her, it's just Paul Tremblay. There's a lot of unreliable narrators. So at mm. the end, there's some questions, and I don't necessarily think there are supposed to be answers. Okay. So I might read another Paul Tremblay book. Okay. So yeah. Well, maybe I will too, darn it. Yeah, I I would not suggest this. For okay, you. I don't know when you got out, but you probably got out. Thanks, when man. You get good. Thanks. <laughs> I started yeah. watching the uh, the HBO Max series The Undoing. So it's with Nicole Kidman and uh, Hugh Grant, and written by created by uh, David E. Kelly, who you know I I love from way back the practice and all that. It's based on the novel You Should Have Known by Jean Han Corlitz. Uh, it's interesting so far. Sets up a compelling mystery. Only one episode is out at our time of recording. So we're going to stick with it. But, uh, you know, I'm intrigued with the start. I also watched The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere and Laura Linney. Have you ever seen this? No. Why am I thinking this had uh, Michael Keaton? What was he in? Oh. I, I mean, you're just thinking of White Noise? Oh, that's it. It's a very, the cover has kind of a similar vibe. Okay. This, my wife liked it more than I did. I thought this was dead boring. This is like Deborah Messing plays uh, uh, Richard Gere's wife, and mm -hmm. before they're in some car accident, she sees this like image of a Mothman, mm -hmm. and then several people see this, and then crazy things start happening in conjunction. I with listened it. to the uh, "Do Go On" episode of the Mothman. Okay, urban legend. Yes, yeah. So. yeah. The movie just never did it for me, but I bring it up mm -hmm. specifically because it's based on the novel of the same title by John Keel. John Keel uh, is from Hornell, New York. Oh, so that's fun. He's just our he's our neighbor, old John Keel. Gosh, but I don't recommend I... the Mothman prophecies. You know what? I did do a page to screen. Uh, it was my pick, and I'm still picking some spooky stuff. So we watched um, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. With uh, the like Johnny, 90, 1999 film, yeah, Johnny Depp, Christina okay. Ricci, lots of people, Chris sure. Walken, a lot of like Tim Burton people uh, in there. The dad from uh, Beetlejuice is in there. The Emperor, Emperor Palpatine, oh, is in there now. briefly, but also, uh, is his, no, I said his, I was Michael Gould, okay, uh, who played Alfred in the Tim Burton, oh, in the 90s Batman films, Gao, uh, yeah, Michael Gao, yeah, so that is a page to screen because there you, you go, know, it's, yeah, but yeah, it's it's pretty gross, actually. Okay. I don't know, you have never seen it, right? I had no, I haven't, but yeah, the, the, the Disney, the Disney Headless Horseman Ichabod Crane thing terrified the life out of me. So we watched that terrified beforehand. Terrified me. I actually, we just watched the chase between Ichabod and him oh. uh, because they had it on Disney Plus. I was like, I is this it. still scary? And I watched it. I was like, yeah, this is still pretty like scary wow. imagery. I'm not and surprised. I looked it up and stuff. And Tim Burton had worked in his early Disney days with the guy who had 
storyboarded that. So like Pim Burton like got to like look at the storyboards uh, for this original Sleepy Hollow, the Disney one. Isn't it crazy that you would watch the adventures of Mr. Toad and yeah. then it would just become yeah. Ichabob Crane as oh, yeah. a kid? Yeah. Both ending with like these crazy like car chases, I know. really. I know. Um, Mr. There... Toad's wild ride at Disney World was my mm-hmm. favorite ride. I was very sad when it closed. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a few shots in the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow that are like ripped right from the Disney adaptation. Really? There's a scene where well, like some kids are playing like a if prank. If it ain't broke, you know. They're they're playing a prank on uh on Ichabob. And so there's the shot almost shot for shot of the flaming pumpkin, the jack o' lantern okay. just going straight at his yeah, head. That's I'm like, well, that's just and it's nice that I watched it watched the cartoon one first because yeah. it was like just pulling but yes the live action one if you haven't seen it from 99 pretty gross takes a lot of liberties has some like crazy imagery mm-hmm. um but it it was a good time it was okay. still kind of slick it has that like 1999 we can do big studio but also a tour filmmaker in one sure. kind of thing that like maybe we don't get so much since the 90s yeah. that's but, interesting All yeah right. uh so that was my i think next up for my pick is uh also 1999, Blair Witch, but that's not oh, screen, I don't think. Okay. All right, let's roll into a little news. Book news segment. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. All right, well, before we get to book news, we have a little bit of podcast news that we need to share. Uh, I don't know. Where to start? The beginning, uh, I guess? I moved to North Carolina. Yes. Yes, he Back did. Back in March. Back in March. Um, so... Since that time, we've we well we had several stacked up. How many weeks were we doing like double podcasts? That almost killed you. Do you remember that? Oh my gosh, a few weeks beforehand, <laughs> yeah, because you had to keep keeping track. And then right. during the the summer, yeah, and, yeah, and we were, were like, we just were... so you know, we're this far ahead, so we're recording for this. And so I okay, I'm I have to talk about this news, but then it makes it sound like we're crazy people. Right. Yeah, like in the past yeah that was that was exactly how it went and it yeah. some we even because we had like interviews and stuff we recorded like mm-hmm. out of sequence so it was like we had this elaborate like da vinci code-esque plot line yeah. of how we how we keep the episode uh numbers keen, straight keen listeners will notice i haven't been in many of the interviews yeah that's true that's true that. so since yeah. that time once we caught up to everything that we'd pre-recorded we've been doing it as we are right now on skype and you know it's been working so far and we, you know, we're having a good time with it and everything. But looking back at, at how long it's been, I mean, the first episode was August of, what, 2015, right? 2015. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. 29 years old. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's uh, 270 weeks now that we've been doing this every single week. So we kind of got to talking about the future and, and what made sense for the next steps of the podcast now that we're not in the same place and now that eric's taking a new job at another library and what we don't want to happen is for it to start to become cumbersome or be less fun or get to a point where we're just sort of like punching the podcast clock right we don't want a season nine of the office right exactly exactly although it did have some good moments i think we have to admit that there were some good moments there so all that to say is we've been we've been talking this over uh, and it's been a sad conversation trying to figure out what makes the most sense. And we've decided that uh, we're gonna we're gonna start winding things down on the All the Book Show and have episode two seventy five be our fond farewell from the All yeah. the Book Show. Yep. Which is sad. I mean, I'm no. Yes. Uh, it it will be a uh, sad. We got like you said, five episodes left. It'll be sad. But it's been good. It's been a good uh, five-year run. I've I followed podcasts that haven't lasted. I know for five years or I know. more at this point. You know, I'm very sentimental, and 
the thought of like, yes. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then I'm like, I offered to split the podcast in half. Right. And Nick would get half of the podcast. Yes. I get the other half. And That's he was like, we no, you take it. I was like, mm-hmm. you are the true father mm-hmm. of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what that means as far as going forward is... I, it's it's not the end of a David A. Howe public library podcast, but there's no mm-hmm. all the book show without Eric. It wouldn't be fun to, to be like just me being like, hey, it's it's just me. Uh, <laughs> so so we're uh, down, down in your basement like a uh, pirate radio. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I could podcasts. Big business doesn't want you buying books at this local independent store. But I got news yeah. for big business. It's not in charge. Yeah. Wolfman Nick is I've in got charge. A, I've got a full beard. It's just <laughs> cans of Fresca knocking down everywhere, yeah. everywhere I turn. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the bottom line is we're, the David A. Hell Library is going to go forward with the podcast. So I've been looking at some different... Uh, different formats and different ways to do that so uh hold tight in the feed here after 275 keep an eye out for what comes next uh, we've got some cool guests lined up and uh it'll be weird it'll be different but uh we're gonna we're gonna keep pushing forward on that and as you'll recall 20 weeks mm-hmm. ago i know that because there are 20 episodes we started an all the book show spinoff called comic book coffee break mm-hmm where basically i mean we've talked about it before on the show but it's our bookmark section it's just only comics yeah uh, we tried to make it so that uh, you wouldn't have to hear all the comics in our bookmark. That's right. Which hasn't really worked out for the all the books cra- crowd, <laughs> but the comic book coffee break crowd. Yeah, it's it's been a hundred. The promise has been met. That's right. So right now we've been doing that mainly on YouTube. You can find more information about it at radiomeanwhile.com or again you can search comic book coffee break on YouTube. And we're planning on turning that into a podcast in the future. But that's just a more laid back conversation where we're just talking about the things that we read that week. So. A little different Unless than that pirate we're... radio. Right. Unless Wolfman Nick Pirate Radio yes. being yeah. like, Amazon used to mean a bunch of trees down in South America. Now it means big business. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, if, if you, like I said, if you want to follow the David A. Howe Public Library podcast, you don't have to resubscribe or anything. Just stick right with this feed. If you want to listen to Eric and I talk about comic books and other things, really just kind of pop culture things in general, um, click over to Comic Book Coffee Break and check that out. That, like I said, that's been going for... 20 episodes, 20 weeks now. So you can find that right now. And we're going to drop a few episodes in this feed just so you can get a taste of it. But uh, it's always hard when when things come to an end. And I'm just glad that we're at least near a round number, you know, where it feels like a satisfying 275 to me, I can deal with. Whereas like an episode... A 297 would be bad. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that yeah. would... I really would never get out no. of bed again. Yeah. Uh, that would i i couldn't i couldn't get over that that would just record three more episodes (laughs) now (laughs) i'm not Uh, doing it it's uh it's pretty hard to believe i mean i i know because you say the number every week but just to think about the fact that we've done it for 275 straight weeks i mean christmas all holidays like we've we've somehow made it work so it's uh, no holiday a over on the all the books show yeah and it's, no. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we have other things cooking and, and those are still fun too, but I am really sad to say goodbye to the All the Book Show. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be sad. I'm going to feel yeah. it. Yeah. It's a sad time. Yep. But all things must end, even good seasons of The Simpsons. Right. Right. Which so. ended decades ago at this point. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So in a way, we're we're avoiding the Simpsons effect. <laughs> that's right. Which is nice. Yep. We're going right. out at uh oh gosh, season five of the Simpsons. Yeah. Well, that's even better. Yeah. Man, solid. The Simpsons have gone out season five. That's a good era. Although isn't season isn't season six kind of a legendary season? Yes. So you're kind of undercutting your own point. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm yeah. saying. What if we cut out the first season of the Simpsons? Okay. I think most people would would accept that. Start at season two. Right. End at season six of the Simpsons. Yes. Boom. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for listening for these last uh, 270 episodes. And we'll be here for five more. So, Yeah, uh, Yeah, we're bringing back some of our favorite guests. Sure. Uh, Yep. Clint McGavin, Cowboy Lawyer. Uh, We'll have to book him for a return. We were very... I mean, we'll talk about this in a a later episode. But we were very, uh, like, character heavy in the beginning. Or heavy. We were. Yeah, it was... (laughs) You really it was a weird you, it was serialized it was serialized yeah. where there were characters and yeah. somehow they did interact and we always try to figure out how they related yeah it's strange and mm-hmm. I feel like recently like I talked about Brando Sando and the time machine I was like yeah. new listener time Just traveling in book. An episode not gonna 200 understand. plus is gonna be like who yeah. the f- what Poor Brando Smarticus. Sando. Smarticus yes. also Smarticus. Who was lost in time early on as you'll recall but Yep. Roger really is the only one who's lasted. He has, I can't say he's unfortunately. Done yeah, I I would yeah. I would trade Roger for any of the other uh, recurring characters, but yeah, I would know. trade Roger for a half-eaten Reese's peanut butter cup. Hmm. Actually, I have one. Would you like to? Because Roger yeah, can go come ahead. down. Roger's yours. He's your no, 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 no. I get the Reese's, <laughs> no, and the Roger deal. comes down to North Carolina. You said you would trade. Wait. That's, oh, because yeah, you already had works. Roger yeah. as well. Darn yep. it! I All right. About that. I'm gonna send him via bus. What do I do with Roger down here? I don't know. I don't know. You have other podcasts. He could help. I, <laughs> I think he's proven he can't help. Okay. So, you know what? I know Roger is a, a podcast uh, person here. Yeah. But I do have an animosity towards him. Hmm. Just do your job. Yeah. Like, I do have a legitimate, real animosity towards Roger. Yeah. 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 Well, he's earned it. I think he's earned yeah. that by his behavior. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's it for sad podcast news. Shall we get into? Well, uh, actually, oh, yes. who's gonna tell Ben? Should we have Roger uh, we'll, deliver the like, actually, letter? Actually, I think that would make sense. He he could finally prove himself useful. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, it's it's a little known fact, but Ben comes to the recordings every episode. Yeah. Plays, plays live with live. his little guitar. Yes, he sure does. And, uh, yeah, we pay for his bus money, mm-hmm. and then we give him a tuna sandwich every time. Yep. And I don't know what he's going to do without that tuna. I don't either. I don't either. So. He's been living on tuna on a weekly basis, so that's rough. <laughs> yeah. Like a snake. Uh, what's on the New York Times bestseller list? Uh, okay. Number ten is "The Vanishing Half" by Britt Bennett. Yeah. Not Michael Bennett. No. Who's yeah, Who's that. the Bennett on? Uh, Michael uh, Bennett SNL. is a, Michael Bennett is the uh, is a James Patterson character. You're thinking of right. Beck Bennett from Beck SNL. Bennett. No, he didn't write uh, this though. Anyway, "The Vanishing Half" by Britt Bennett. Uh, the lives of twin sisters who run away from Southern yeah. Black communities at age sixteen diverge yeah. as one turns, and the other takes on a different racial identity, but their fates intertwined. Okay. Uh, number nine, The Book of Two Ways by Jody Bacult. So you can read this uh, left to right. Oh, because it's two, two different. Okay, well, that's... I like a book with a gimmick, sure. Uh, after surviving a plane crash, a death doula travels to Egypt to reconnect right. with an old flame who is an archaeologist. I right. still this don't is like one the name. actually got me like, oh, wow, that is just so much going on. I feel like I should read it to see how this all connects. Yeah. I'm a death doula. Might as well. Number eight, Troubles in Paradise. Oh, that's the last t- place you want to have troubles. No. Ellen it, Hildebrand. It goes against the whole premise of paradise. Uh, 
This is the final installment of the trilogy that includes Winter in Paradise. Paradise. Troubles in Paradise is the last? That's not how you want to end Paradise either. No. Seven, a book that freaked you out? Mexican Gothic. It didn't freak me out. I it was I maybe the most surprised I've been by a book in a while, and I will let the readers decide if that's a good surprise or not. But I did not rate it high. All right. In 1950s Mexico, I a guess. debutante travels to a distant mansion where families' secrets of a faded mining empire have been kept hidden. Mm-hmm. In a mine? There is A mine is involved. Yes, that's true. Number six, The Invisible Life of A.D. LaRue. Mm-hmm. A Faustian bargain comes with a curse that affects the adventure A.D. LaRue has across centuries. Hmm. Wow. V.E. Schwab, I should have said. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Number five, Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. Uh, a failed bank robber holds a group of strangers hostage mm-hmm. at an apartment open house. Sure. Uh, that was on the Goodreads Choice Awards yeah, as well. I think you're right. Number four is The Evening in the Morning by Ken Follett. Oh, my gosh. In the prequel to Pillars of the Earth, a boat builder, a noble, a Norman noblewoman, and a monk live in Walk England in a bar. Under, under attack by the Welsh and the Vikings. So mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of downtrodden farmers, a lot of uh, Likely, just... Yes piddling around and yeah. then like what if we built something yeah hey! yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you're thinking with pillars who's this guy where's he coming from <laughs> uh he kind of won me over <laughs> i'm you know what i hate about myself and i hate a lot of things about myself most okay. everything it's getting real okay. one thing that i'm really hating about myself right now is mm-hmm. reading that description i'm like maybe i should read the evening in the morning by ken foliot listen man you read all the pillars of the earth i think you have to i think yeah. you owe it it's to yourself one of those things though where i've read it and i feel like i should get the terrible mom advice from uh diane lane and she should just be like you don't owe kellen Foli- ken foliot anything yeah true it's sunk cost at this point you can't get your time back Oh, so you decide. Yeah. Uh, the Searcher by Tana French. Okay. After a divorce. For- God, I hate Justice League. I hate that, and I hate Batman v Superman. I, I hate. You do. Oh, when I think about it. I just. I know, it really. I just you. can't. I can't. And you shouldn't have to. Uh, the Searcher by Tana French. After a divorce, a former Chicago police officer resettles in an Irish village where a boy goes missing. Hmm. That's scary. He should look at uh, number four. Number four, The Return by Nicholas Sparks. Mm. A doctor in the Navy in Afghanistan goes back to North Carolina where two women change his life. And they build a cathedral over the course of several generations. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, this is just a sly way of saying that uh, this is a gender swap version of Frankenstein. Hmm. Both Frankenstein and Igor are being played by women, and the doctor has died, and they're bringing his corpse back to life, thus changing his life. Changing his life. We just did a book club on Frankenstein. Interesting conversation. The book is not what you expect when you watch any of the movies or adaptations of Frankenstein. You start it, and you're like, what? Wait, what? You really have to watch Bride of Frankenstein to get a closer adaptation to the book. That's Yeah, I guess And Bride of Frankenstein is also just a better movie. Yeah. He's real chatty. uh, The monster's real chatty in that book. Yes, he is. All he says in the movies is, but this one he's like what is it all about i'm here (laughs) what's my purpose you created Uh me why did you create me you know so you've seen the movie and you know what he sounds like yeah 
you've read the book mm -hmm. and you've read what he says, but yep. you assume that's what he sounds like. Yeah. You assume that Frankenstein is being played by some 1990s version of a Muppet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a little Sam Eagle. You're right. Thanks. Yeah. You know what? That... I appreciate you keeping me on my Jim toes. Jim Henson's Frankenstein. Yeah. No. Dolph, make a man, Wait. Kermit. <laughs> Why is there not a Jim Henson's Frankenstein? Right? Yeah. That's insane. That's Who's... Is ah why boy, do you why do you make Superman? Christmas Carol and then Treasure Island and then Muppets from Space like what That's crazy, like yeah. two things really work and then Muppets yeah. from Space I, I does don't... does Gonzo play the monster or does he play the Doctor That's where it kind boy. of falls I'm not, I'm unsure No I think he's got to play the Doctor because you picture Gonzo being like he's alive you know I mean yeah. and he, I mean Rizzo is right there is to be Igor, Igor. Yeah. it's perfect yeah. it is perfect yeah. and I think yeah. I think the monster has to be Sweetums probably oh uh, that's pretty good yeah okay i, th I think you get away with making like maybe fozzy the monster but that's true yeah sweet i mean sweetums just looks the role he's so, got it yeah that's true yeah. and then mm. he can just like ride around on town on a bike yeah on a so yeah boy they love showing sweetums on a bicycle they do they really like they like that uh, effect. Uh, all right yeah and then you just have maybe a romance between oh miss piggy can play bride of frankenstein yeah that would look good she could pull off that hair absolutely yeah. absolutely she could all right all right we, we created you to to marry our monster over here frankenstein hard pass <laughs> no thanks wow eric you're not known for your voice work but that miss piggy is that that's that, <laughs> that's perfect yeah. all right right at frankenstein but she falls in love with kermit who's a regular villager yeah mm -hmm. oh mm -hmm. kermy i may be a monster <laughs> well, i don't know i just i gotta I'm not really into monsters. Is, Get over here, frog! This is breathtaking. <laughs> I love it. I love this Muppet Frankenstein thing. I, I, I do, too. I think it's pretty right. good. Yeah. Number one, A Time for Mercy by John Grisham. I have that. I have that book, yeah. and I have The Vanishing Funny. Half. I got them right in my hands. I'm ready to read them. Third book in the Jake Brigitte series. Yeah. A 16-year-old is accused of killing a deputy in Clinton Mist in mm -hmm. 1990. Okay. All right, I've got a couple. I've got a couple options here that I pulled from our our new shelf. Do you have your sexy new books ready? Yeah. Then we have but to listen to the maestro. Sexy new book club. <laughs> he brings it for this song. He brings it. He knows what he's doing. He knows mm -hmm. what he's doing, and it's appreciated. All right, uh, I've got two for you today, Eric. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. The first one I have for you is an adult book. The Washington Post says it's lyricism feels like a warm song. And it is called How the Penguin Saved Veronica. The cover mm. is uh, it's nice and sky blue. We got a cruise ship in the background. We got several penguins and an old lady's purse on the cover. It's by Hazel Pryor. Um, I'll tell you why I picked this, Eric, because I have a soft spot. For... Penguins on the cover. I've got a soft spot for stories that are in like Alaska or Antarctica uh, or any of these like desolate places. Where, yeah, great alone. Perfect. Perfect example. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a little bit for the back cover here. First of all, does the cover do anything for you? I mean, it has, it's kind of, uh, what do we call that kind of art? It's like charming. the old 1960s like airplane. Yeah. Okay. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. 85-year-old Veronica McCready's estranged from her family and wants to find a worthwhile cause to leave her fortune to. When she sees a documentary about penguins being studied in Antarctica, she tells the scientist she's coming to visit and won't take no for an answer. Shortly after arriving, she convinces the reluctant team to rescue an orphaned baby penguin. 
He becomes part of life at the base, and Veronica's closed heart starts to open. Her grandson, Patrick, follows Veronica to Antarctica to make one last attempt to get to know his grandmother. Together, Veronica, Patrick, and even the scientists learn what family, love, and connection are all about. This sounds a little syrupy sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. You picked up a book with that cover. Yeah. It's just penguins hanging out with an airplane in the background. I know. And it says, the penguins save Veronica. And you're like, well, oh, I hope this is a gritty, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought human- it was a hard-hitting, yeah, I really did. Yeah. Uh, from Alyssa Friedland, author of The Floating Feldmans, she says, Veronica McCready is an unforgettable heroine, crotchety, clever, and oddly lovable, a story of love, loss, forgiveness, and the unlikely bonds that form when we least expect it. Here's the thing. You know what you're getting when you pick up a book like this, you know? Mm-hmm. There's nothing yeah. that I can tell you. If you don't see this and want to read it, I can't change your mind, because you know what it is. All right, let me give you a little bit of the first chapter here. The Balloways, Ayrshire, Scotland, May 2012. I've told Eileen to get rid of all the mirrors. I used to like them, but I certainly don't now. Mirrors are too honest. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Eric, have you put on any quarantine weight, can I ask? I've put on weight okay. over the past few years. I'm okay. not allowed to talk about it because I'm a little a little sensitive about it. Okay, understood. Patch up my pants size. I'm, uh, I'm not too proud to say I feel like I've put on a little bit of quarantine weight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great because actually I've gained weight, but I've definitely have lost years hmm hmm disagree <laughs> my, my life expectancy oh well that's true yeah yeah there's only so much truth a woman can take are you sure mrs mccready her voice implies she knows my mind better than i do she always does that it's one of her innumerable annoying habits of course i'm sure she clicks her tongue and tilts her head to one side so that her corkscrew curl brush against her shoulder it's quite a maneuver when you consider the extraordinary width of her neck Yowzer. Wow. Is even, Stephen King writing this? I know. Even the lovely one with the gilt edge. The one with the mantelpiece? Yes, even that one, I explained patiently. And all the bathroom mirrors, too? Especially those. The bathroom yeah. is the last place I want to look at myself. Whatever you say. This tone is slightly bordering on impertinence. I don't... I don't. That, for, for the listener, that was Nick, not yeah, the book, that talking was about impertinence. That was, <laughs> that was yeah, not the character that of was Veronica. No, that wasn't. That was... Don't you, yeah. don't you put words in my mouth. I'm not feeling it. I don't like the first person. Wow, you gave up fast. Listen, it's the first person. I think in a story like this, you need the third person, more distance look at it so you can really like talk about the characters. I -hmm. think putting it from the perspective of this protagonist is going to make the book more annoying than interesting and and a little Mm -hmm. too, like the precious scale, it's a little going to be too high in the precious scale, I think right now. So I didn't mean to say scale. I know you're sensitive about your weight. That's not what I meant. I just meant when you're, when you're, looking at the preciousness where it's going to fall is going to be higher than Mm -hmm. uh the average allowable quotient of preciousness what do you got are you doing Uh, YA? not muppet preciousness not that no not that uh yeah i've got some ya books hit me uh so you remember the uh series um the stalking jack the ripper stalking houdini stalking dracula stalking the devil yeah again just cracks me up to no end that you have these you have harry houdini yeah. who as far as i know is just a magician an illusionist an escape artist from a while ago and he's being categorized in the same situation yeah. as the devil the author carrie menesicalo the same author of the jack the ripper series has written a new book new series so it's under the james patterson presents line again uh, not the Jimmy Pattersons. The James Patterson yes. presents. Because, you know, a lot of uh, teen readers are like, whoa, Jimmy Patterson wrote yeah. this? Yeah. Actually, I make fun of that now, but James Patterson has a lot of kids' books. Yeah, he does. 
Yeah. So they're gonna I, those, come across that. Yeah. The treasure Man. hunters books and everything. Yeah, it actually might have a bit of a draw. Well, and then, I am not a millionaire. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I think the Maximum Ride books have kind of seen their day, but those those were still pretty popular well, in their time. Graphic novels true. are still popular, That's but true. they come out like every three years. I know, it's insane. It's ridiculous. My wife was reading that series, and I brought her the new one, and she was like, oh my gosh, they're still yeah. doing this? I was like, I don't remember that. Anyways, this is called Kingdom of the Wicked okay. by Carrie Mascello. New series, Two Sisters, One Brutal Murder, A Quest for Vengeance That Will Unleash Hell Itself in an Intoxicating Romance. Okay. Amelia and her twin sister, Victoria, uh, nope, sorry, that's Vittoria, oh. are strage, witches who live secretly among humans, avoiding notice and persecution. One oh. night, Vittoria misses dinner service at the family's renowned Sicilian restaurant. Amelia soon finds the body of her beloved twin, desecrated beyond belief. Devastated, Amelia sets out to find her sister's killer and seeks vengeance at any cost, even if it means using dark magic that's been long forbidden. I'm sorry, did you say dark magic? Yeah, what did you think I said? No, I just was making sure. As long as it's not forbidden, I think that's fine, though. No, it's been long forbidden. What? Long forbidden. Oh, that's a Chapter double whammy. One. You can't have Chap- both. One. Okay. Nona Marisa buzzed around the kitchen in our family's restaurant like she guzzled every drop of espresso we used to make our famous tiramisu. Her mood was downright frantic. My okay. twin was late for dinner service, and our grandmother saw it as a potent of doom, especially since Victoria was out after dark on a holy day. Goddess forbid. The fact that the moon was not only full, but also a putrid shade of yellow, Ooh. had Nona muttering dire warnings, which would normally lead my father to bolt the doors. Sure. Thankfully, he and Uncle Nino were in the dining room with a bottle of limoncello, pouring after-dinner drinks for our customers. No one left sea and vine without sipping the dessert liqueur yeah. and savoring the utter bliss that followed a good meal. Mock me all you like, but it's not safe. Demons are prowling the streets, searching for souls to steal. Nuna chopped cloves of garlic for the scampi, her knives flying across the worn cutting board. If she wasn't careful, she'd lose a finger. Your sister is foolish to be out. She stopped, immediately shifting her attention to the little horn-shaped amulet around her neck. Worrying lines carved a deep path around her eyes and mouth. Did you see if she was wearing her currancello, Amelia? No, uh, I, sorry, I've lost the thread. Which one of these is saving the penguins? No, that's your book. Oh, darn it. Yes, you're right. Okay. Uh, what if we skip ahead a little bit? Does okay. Anything happen? Let's see. Uh, looks like a long story. Uh, I, I will say the first person, I think, is working a little better for this one. I don't I don't mind that so much. Yeah. I don't know. Did it? It seemed like they'd set up sort of a, even in that brief little bit, I think they were kind of sprinkling in little bits of like the mythology of how these characters like work and like the magic yeah. world, you yeah. know, I didn't hate it. What did you think? I'm hungry for some Italian food. Yeah, that's true. I'm always hungry for Italian food, though. Some, something garlicky. Carbs, though. What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? I don't know. You can't do anything unless no, you, you got dark magic that's been long forbidden. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, Alica, not to my hips. Right. <laughs> But then you got a whole other slew of problems, you know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you, you all that garlic, it. though. I mean, these witches aren't going to have to worry about vampires if they're loaded up with garlic. So that's yeah. Something. I think if you're a witch, you probably have at least a, a unspoken alliance with vampires. Do you think so? Like you don't bother them, they don't bother you. I right, imagine yeah. it's a very like we we just don't even interact with the yeah. vampires. Okay. So all right, werewolves. I just imagine that like all of them, 
all of like these uh, the creatures of the night, mm-hmm. uh, the, the monsters. They gotta, you know, they gotta stay kind of out of yeah, each of other's way. Do. Sure, you gotta you look don't out. want war between werewolves, vampires, witches, and mummies, and then like regular townsfolk being like, "Have you been noticing a lot of werewolves versus mummies versus yeah. vampires yeah. in town it, streets?" It causes... I used to not believe them. Well, that's probably why it's the, the magic is forbidden. I would assume yeah. it's probably why. Quick so, question. Yes. A vampire walks into your house. Well, I guess he can't walk into your house. Yeah, You're outside, and a yeah. vampire walks on the street. And he's like, "I'm a vampire." You 100% believe he's a vampire, yeah. and he is. He's 100% a vampire. He offers you to become a vampire. Do you no. take it? Absolutely not. I do. I well, I, we all know that. We all know that. I'm just asking. You're down for immortality, you... and I'm not. Immortality, yeah, and uh, vampireness. That'd be sweet. I mean, I guess I would just attack bad people. Man, you with could vampire. You could read so many Star Trek books, though. If you were immortal, you could actually like get through them all. That's the thing you do. Well, not me. I wouldn't grass- become immortal. But yeah. you know, yeah. you could, you could, well, you then- could, you could get a Marvel Unlimited account, and you could um, just be like issue one, yeah, and you could get through it. Issue you know? one of Marvel, please. Yeah, yeah. Call, <laughs> calling him up. Yeah. But then my uh, my Nook do they screen, answer the phone? My Nook screen breaks. That's true. But suddenly, eventually, I'm just like, it was time now. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Uh, okay with apologies to burgess meredith are you gonna read this witch book or no no okay my Not next my, jam. my little, uh, okay a uh, little too uh talky for a ya book mm. honestly when i read a ya book i i need it to be a little little bit more sparse and a little bit quicker less talky because... more walky yeah. yeah, like when I read something that is just par- huge paragraphs, but it's also for like the YA audience, my brain just kind of shuts off. Yeah. The reading level, but the word count don't match up in my mind for that my sense. So. Although often they're super long, too. I, I mean, know. Like even the, the, the latest Hunger Games, the uh, whatever that's called, Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, that was incredibly long. Well, anyway, I don't, uh, I tend to, maybe that's not true, but it's the YA fantasy. They just okay. get I mean, they're training them to read the massive tomes of adult fantasy. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, Life Events, a novel by Carolina Wachlawiak. All right, in this exquisite novel, Carolina Wachlawiak rightly recasts the American West as the territory of wandering dreams and dreamers in the land where this life and the improbable afterlife most often collide. Life Events is deeply moving meditation on death and the dying, the fierce weight of marriage and family, and the unrelenting absurdity of being alive. That's Hannah Lilith Asadi, author of Sonora. Let's see. Life Events follows Evelyn, who is 37, is on the verge of divorce, and is dreading the deaths of everyone she loves. She combats her existential crisis by avoiding her husband and aimlessly driving along the freeways of California, looking for an escape. One that eventually comes when she discovers a collective of exit guides. Evelyn enrolls in their training course. What that she learns provides a companionship and a final exit for terminally ill patients seeking a conscious departure. She meets Daphne, a dying woman full, still full of life, Lawrence, an aging porn king, and Daniel, who seems too young to die and for whom she falls, despite knowing better and breaking the exit code guide. Look out. Each client opens something new in Evelyn, allowing her to access her own grief and confront the self-destructive ways she suppresses her pain. When Evelyn travels through the Southwest to an afterlife convention to further her death education, she must fully face her complicated relationship with her alcoholic father and reconcile her life choices. Sensitively observed and darkly funny, life events is a moving, enlivening story of the human condition, the doldrums of loneliness, the consuming regret of past mistakes, and the thrill finally of finding meaning and love where you least expect it does that do anything for you Mm. last time i found love and meaning in the place i least expected yeah was in a 
microwavable pizza. Oh, that sounds good. Was it a freshetta? Yeah. I like the freshettas. That, that's the problem with starting something and not having an end game mm-hmm. right there. No, I that's, liked it. That's, I thought it was strong. That's the fear. That's the fear and danger of improv. <laughs> I picked this one up mostly because of the cover. I, it has a nice, like, you know, sort of a tundra sort of vibe on the front here, and I, I was digging it. Mm-hmm. Chapter one, the hills around the freeway are, were a dusty yellow, showing the wear from months of drought. Winter rain hadn't settled in yet, and the last few years had been absent in significant storms. I was not good at having confrontation, so I was fleeing again. After you've driven through Mojave, California, there isn't much left of the way of towns as you head north. An airplane graveyard sparks up from the dry brush a few miles out, where pickup mm. trucks with Don't Tread on Me stickers drive fast on narrow roads, the kind of roads that lead into vast desert nothingness, punctuated only by rusted, spray-painted freight trains that roll slowly towards one border or another. Outside Mojave, red rocks spring up before giving back over to flat, dusty land, dotted with wind-worn white crosses jutting out at a different mile markers by the road, signifying people who didn't make it home. I mean, the premise is kind of interesting, but this isn't doing nothing for me. What do you mm-hmm. think? I don't know. I guess the description's fine. Like the yeah, but Mojave it's a lot Desert. Of it. It's a lot of it. More to come. Yeah. yeah. You got no attention span for these sexy books today. I, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And I'm already out here. And I'm like, sorry. It's that... like a bachelor version of a, a book club. You're right. You're just like, you're just keeping the rose to yourself. Honestly, the penguin one, as soon as it was, a, was in first person from the 90-year-old lady yeah. saving penguins, I just thought, you can't sustain that premise so long. So you're right. I made a, I made a jump decision. I'm going to jump into this book a little bit more. Chapter four. After the first exit guide training with Bethany, I was completely exhausted. I told Bobby I wasn't sleeping well and crawled into bed without eating dinner. I fell asleep without weed or Xanax, and I had a recurring dream, one that I hadn't had in a few weeks. It was a kind that scared me into believing that I can see the future, and it always started the same way. In my dream, my mother and father are staying with me, and I'm afraid my father will die, and I don't know what to do with the body. Ooh, spooky. Did you have a lot of recurring dreams as a kid? Uh, recurring themes, not a lot of, like, dreams don't happen a mm. lot, but I had, there was a point where I was starting to watch zombie films, and, uh, it was like every other dream was a zombie dream. Yeah. There were a few Terminator dreams. Okay. Uh, the Terminator was always the villain in it, because just the slow, plotting, consistent chasing, yeah. uh, was a thing that happened a lot in my dreams. So being chased. I had, I had mostly scary dreams as a kid, and I did have mm. a couple recurring ones that, yeah. I would always like I was afraid that I was going to have that dream again and then I would because yeah. I was thinking about it. So, yeah. I can relate to the recurring uh dreams here. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really like that book. Oh. I'm having a hard time today. Can I be honest with you? I kind of thought it was supernatural when I was first looking at oh. that. I, I kind of thought that maybe it was like she was she was helping people on a more like metaphysical mm-hmm. way, like get to the yeah. next stage in life. Her being just like a an emotionally uh distant like death coach, a death doula, maybe you could say. I don't think it's my No, family. a death doula prepares somebody for death. Oh, wait, death, you said death coach. That's what, that's what right. she's doing. Yeah. That's what she's doing, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll read the death doula book instead. I don't think this one's going to do it. All right, give me your last one. Five Total Strangers by Natalie D. Richards. Mira needs to get home for the holidays. Badly. But when an incoming blizzard results in a canceled connecting flight, it looks like she might get stuck in the airport indefinitely. And then Harper... Mira's glamorous seatmate from her initial flight offers her a ride. Harper and her three friends can drop Mira off on their way home. And I'm sorry, are you saying off. are you saying Mira is then Mira the Queen of, of Zebel? M I R A. Whose husband is Aquaman, King of Atlantis, M- King of the Seven Seas. M I R A. Different Mira. M I R A. Okay. Mira. Okay. 
But as they set off, Mira realizes fellow travelers are all total strangers, and every one of them is hiding something. Soon, roads go from slippery to terrifying. People's belongings are mysteriously disappearing. Someone in the car is clearly lying and may even be sabotaging the trip. But why? And can Mira make it home alive? Or will this nightmare drive turn fatal? (gasps) Chapter one. Okay. The cabin lights flicker on and I blink awake. Neck stiff and mouth tacky. Sure. An overhead bin rattles. Turbulence. I yawn and one of my earbuds slips out just as we drop through the air pocket. The airplane settles with a jolt. Scattered gas and snatched of panic conversation rise in the cabin. The intercom crackles. Uh, folks, we're about 20 miles outside Newark. Uh, as you might have noticed, the weather has intensified, so it's going to be a bumpy descent. My seatmate, Harper, shifts impatiently. Cue the hysteria. I laugh because it's true. Infrequent flyers always get twitchy when pilots start tossing around words like turbulence, bumpy, or weather. Across from us, a woman with dark eyes and thin lips tightens her seatbelt to the point of obvious discomfort. I imagine painting the scene. I focus on her face, blurring out the rest. The mix of fear and energy in her eyes tells the story. Hmm. I'm liking this writing. Yeah, this is my favorite so far. Oh, let's see... This goes to chapter two. No, what do we got next? I'm going to skip to chapter three. We slip for the first time on a patch of highway that doesn't look bad at all. It's nothing big, a quick sideways shuffle of wheels that's more surprising than scary. Before my heart can even speed up, some high-tech traction system gets us back under control. Mm -hmm. The road looks mostly dry. Black ice, maybe just a slick spot. Oh, I've lost my preview. That's fine. That's that's fate telling me to stop while my head. I guess so. Uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd read this book. Okay, we got a winner. It it seems like it's uh, totally those that genre of uh, I don't even know what's the genre. Just psychological horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that is that where we are these days? That sounds fair. Yeah, yeah. The the cover's pretty good. It's a it's a white frosty cover. You can just see this uh, black automobile standing out from the the white background of a uh, this wintered ravaged road mm-hmm. and then the you got five total in kind of a impact font uh maybe like that zombie uh impact font yeah and strangers looks like it's been scribbled on there in terror that's scary yeah yeah well, you know what i've just read i've just been reading horror books i think maybe it's my my calling to write horror now huh. what do you think i i would read it yeah you're a talented yeah. writer i'd, I'd be uh i'd be Aww. first in line Let's to read it. the horror book. Yeah. I need I need a list of your five biggest fears, Nick. I think you could figure that out. I think you'd be <laughs> yeah, fine. I, could. I don't think you'd have any trouble. It's a small enough town. Why is it? Why aren't people coming to the meetings? <laughs> Everybody right. should be invested. Okay, now this it's this one park is gonna influence our children. Real. It's too real. What you're doing now, that's becoming more a parody, I think, than uh, than anything else. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. That's all right, Eric. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like you've got one on your list. Um, I still have a few from past sexy new books that I want to read, but none of these, mm-hmm. none of the ones I have here today are going to do it. Still yeah. like the cover. I like both mm-hmm. covers. I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah, but I don't think I'm actually going to read the book. Yeah. All right. Uh, next week, this has been a topic that we've talked about for <laughs> years. You're thinking of more of my fears and how you. I'm thinking too. more of your fears. Yeah, I understand. Nick walked into the into the principal's office. There was her ballot slipped, unmailed. <gasps> it wouldn't make it in time. No, that is that's now now it's the principal of the school yeah. didn't vote. Didn't vote. Yeah, that's a good title. It's a good title. <laughs> if it was going to be like a junior series or like a yeah, that like middle grade yeah. series, the principal didn't yeah. vote is actually a pretty good title. 
Yeah. And I, I would read it. I, I feel yeah. seen, but I would read it. Yeah. yeah. I guess and I'm he, just picking up things that make you want to, like, punch a hole in a wall, not so much things that scare you. That's true. Sometimes they're one and the same. Yeah. Uh, did Steven Spielberg ever do horror? Because that's our topic for next week. Is there is there a scary? I mean, Jaws. You could see Jaws. Jaws is a uh, is horror. I guess yeah. you could count Duel as horror. Okay. Uh, I think Jaws. Gosh, I, I don't want to get this wrong, and then like people are like, well, actually, uh, War of the Worlds is sci-fi horror in its own fashion. Mm. And if you think about the horrors of mankind yes. in general, yeah. Um, well, I mean, he was. I mean, he okay. So he did so some of the Twilight Zone like movies. The straight horror. Producer um, and writer on Poltergeist. Yes. I mean, that's... Yes. He, he's produced more horror than he's directed. I Gremlins okay. and Poltergeist and a few other scary... You've seen his name, uh, the, executive or regular producer on that stuff. The thought of having to sit through the adventures of Tintin again is horrifying to me, if that yeah. counts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this you've, you've been saying we should do a, a Steven Spielberg spotlight just like randomly i feel like throughout this and we never have actually like settled down and doing it so gosh darn it next week we're talking <laughs> about filmmaker director producer steven spielberg yeah are you excited the beard the beard one is there any that you want to try to get on your list like any any that you haven't seen that you want to see before we record this episode gosh i don't know if it will happen though i haven't seen empire of the sun and i no haven't one seen has. the terminal i have seen the terminal okay there's and, quite, uh, there's honestly quite a few that I haven't seen. Sugarland Express, I haven't seen, and uh, the one that's really bad, 1942, 1941, 1941. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't seen that one. Uh, it's actually, yeah. I mean, we should save this for next week. But looking at the list, it's actually much. There's more than I thought. So. Oh, I have, I have much less Spielberg uh, in front of me than I do behind me now. Okay. Well, right. then that is going to do it for this week's episode of the All the Book Show. Remember, you can check out our spinoff, Comic Book Coffee Break, over on uh, RadioMeanwhile.com or uh, on YouTube. And join us next week for uh, Steven Spielberg Spotlight. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.